0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie. I'm J.B. Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated.
0: AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited to availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from
1: HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Guess who's with me? And I'm Chuck Bryant. That's right. And we're the Stuff You Should Know team. That's right. The fat, lumpy, fingernaily, hairy, teethy Stuff You Should Know team. We're a teratoma. Uh, (laughs) I know, you hate that, don't you? That's just... Consistently say things that... I'm saying it for our one listener out there who is cracking up
2: right now. Right. That's that's who that's for. Who is who is you when you listen to your own podcast next week? No, you. You. Yes. Okay, can we get on with it? <laughs> Let's do this, Chuck. Hey, Josh, what's a brownfield? That's so funny you should ask, Chuck. I know
1: what a brownfield is, and it's even the name of this podcast. So I will tell you as follows. Yes. Basically, a brownfield is um, any abandoned industrial site, um, a d- old dry cleaners, an old gas station, Sure. any place where there's a potential for a local environmental contamination.
2: Right, but which, not necessarily uh, proven to have contamination.
1: Right, it can say. just be it can just be uh, something that looks like it, or someone might suspect um, it, if there was a bunch of chemicals there at one point in time, yeah. um, or over the years consistently. Somebody could reasonably say I'll bet that place is contaminated.
2: Right. Which is not to be confused with the Superfund Really? You bust the Superfund out this early? Let me redact that statement. No, go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, a Superfund absolutely is contaminated.
1: It is, with serious, serious hazardous waste. Right. Um, And actually, I was looking around on the EPA's website because, you know, it's what I do. Sure. And um, there's several Superfund sites uh, slated for cleanup in Georgia, but I came across one that I knew you'd be particularly interested in. Oh, hit me. Your House. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, wow. Um, there's, uh, you know, Robbins Air Force Base in Houston County? Uh-huh. I think it's a little north of here? Yeah. Um, I, I, Is H- Houston County north of here? I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, Robbins Air Force Base is up there, and um, they have an old sludge pond. Okay. And in the 60s and 70s, they said, you know what? We've got these uh, old cans of paint. Throw them in the sludge pond. We have, like, all this trash. Throw it in the sludge pond. So they kept throwing stuff in the sludge right. pond. Old
2: tires, refrigerators. Right. And then
1: finally, uh, once the 70s rolled around, and there was such a thing as the EPA and right. Earth Day and all that, the, <laughs> the Air EPA Force went, existed whoops, before that. and covered it up with five feet of uh, loam. What's that? It's like sandy silt. Oh, okay. Uh, like real thick sand. So they made a beach. That's nice. They just covered it over, right? Which actually, again, like... I, I, yeah, it was a stupid thing to do. Right, um, and now it's a super fun site. Now but you have to clean up
2: all the loam in addition to everything else.
1: Here's here's where it gets interesting. Why I think you'd be interested in it. Okay, in a, just a little sentence, just kind of crammed in there. They were like, yeah, there's like old chemical waste, there's old material waste, and also there's unexploded ordnance and Agent Orange. Ah, uh, really? <clears throat> there's Agent Orange in a sludge pond on Robbins Air Force Base. So this stuff time.
2: was left over from Vietnam, and they just dumped it there, probably. <laughs> yeah. Interesting.
1: Yep. So, yeah. So, a super fun site is a place where there's Agent Orange under five feet of loam. Right. And it's seeping into the groundwater, all that. Yeah. But, yeah. like you said, it, these have been clearly identified. The government knows about them. They're doing their best to clean it up. Um, actually, I don't know if that last part's true, but they know about them. Right, <laughs> and at the very least, they've gone to the trouble of identifying them. Right, sure. But a brown field's different. Like you said, it's uh, it's potentially contaminated. It could be contaminated. It's still a brown field, but it's not so contaminated, or the materials that are that have contaminated it are so
2: dangerous right. that you can't use the site again. Well, no, in fact, quite the opposite. They're trying to encourage the use of these sites.
1: Right. And actually, Chuck, what what makes Brownfield so interesting to me is they're not just like an environmental hazard, they're an economic hazard as well. Right. Because usually, like, let's say... Um You know, we've talked about urban exploration before, right? Sure. There's all these old, like, abandoned industrial sites or something like that. Um, and they're just sitting there. They're being left to rot. They're derelict because no one wants to do anything with them. And the reason why is because there's so much potential liability. Like, let's say you or I got a wild hare and we wanted to invest in a new mixed use development. Sounds good. So we buy some old industrial site, um, kind of on the edge of town. Heck, in the middle of town, right? Like Atlantic Steel here in Atlanta. Yeah. Atlantic Station was a brownfield re- redevelopment, remediation site, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so so we buy this thing. Everything's hunky-dory, and um, we're starting to get some business. We've got some tenants in our buildings. There's people walking their dogs. I see some guy flying a kite. There's a cute little girl with bows in her hair. She <laughs> looks like she's going to the Gap for the first time ever and pretty excited about it, it right? Who wouldn't be? Right. So, uh, and then bam, out of nowhere, somebody finds out that the groundwater under our site is contaminated. With right. Old petroleum. Investors pull out. Buddy, you better hope we have investors soon.
2: Aware at this point, yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, if, if it's all our money sunk into it. Oh, yeah. We're, not only are we getting, um, you know, sued, we're going to lose all of our tenants. We're in big trouble, right? Yeah. Which is why people stay away from brownfield sites. Good but. Point if we remediate brownfield sites and we'll get into remediation in a second if sure. we if we remediate brownfield sites not only do these old you know hulking rotting derelict places get rebuilt which is bad for urban explorers but good for everybody else yeah. it actually saves virgin tracts of land woodland other areas, it it keeps green space out there. We don't have to develop green space. Exactly. Because we're reusing land rather
2: than just abandoning it. Right. And that's one of the great things about brownfield areas is that uh, it's, it's, it's not, like you said, completely untouched. So what you've got uh, probably in place is some infrastructure. You have water lines. Yeah. You have uh, gas lines and stuff like that. Any kind of line. Yeah, any kind of line. So uh, that's awesome. It's not as expensive. No, it's not. In theory. You don't have to lay down that new infrastructure. You don't have to lay the pipe, so to speak. That's exactly right, Chuck. The infrastructure is already there, pipes and all. You know how many brownfields are in the United States, estimated? I want to hear it, baby. Uh, 450,000. That's a lot of brownfield sites. It is.
1: Yeah. That's a lot of real estate. It is. And um, what you were saying before, uh, that the fact that there's infrastructure there, there's buildings there, this makes brownfield sites real property, right?
2: Right. Well, that, yeah, it means... You get whatever is on the property. The buildings are yours. The mineral rights are yours. It's all there for the taking. Okay, so, if, but if there's so much liability attached,
1: right? Mm-hmm. What, how how do you overcome this kind of thing? Well, what do you mean? Like, how do you clean it up? Well, no, I mean, like, how do you attract people to brownfield sites rather than you know have them go cut down a bunch of trees oh, sure. and just
2: build on land that they don't have to worry about is contaminated? Well, one way is with incentives, government incentives. Yeah, and there's a ton of them, aren't there? Tons, dude. Yeah. It's let's, happening all over the place. Let's hear about them. Well, I went to uh, the 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 news section of Google to find out like the latest breaking news, and there were literally a dozen stories on brownfield remediation like this week. It's definitely picking up all over the place. And so. it,
1: this is, I should say, brownfield remediation has been like a viable alternative, or at least a government-backed alternative, since I think the early to mid '90s. Right. That's the impression I have. You?
2: Yes. Okay. Uh. Texas is getting 2.2 million dollars worth of funds. Nice to uh, to remediate some of these brownfields from the feds. From the feds, Baltimore is uh, has potentially more than 1,000 uh, contaminated properties. I can believe that. I went to Baltimore recently, and yeah, I, I hey, Baltimore, shouts out!
1: But I can believe it. <laughs> okay, we love you, but boy, it's just like one big brownfield. And actually, they have this place. Remember Buckhead in 1997? Yeah, sort of. I wasn't a big Buckhead guy, but yeah. They have a place there that is Buckhead 1997. It's like a time machine. It's called uh, Power Station Live. And it looks like a remediated Brownfield site. (laughs) And it's crazy. It's like everybody just finished watching the most recent episode of Friends. It's a Thursday night, and now they're going out. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go.
2: Uh, so, getting back to the different projects, Maine is getting about six point one million bucks. Uh, to clean I don't know much sites. about
1: Maine's brownfield situation.
2: Well, it's probably nicer looking, I would guess. Sure, uh, but six point one million—that's a lot of money. Considering Baltimore is only getting about four hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's the—that's the problem with the the bailout. One and a half trillion dollars. Six million dollars seems like peanuts these days. It does. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, Georgia, actually, it's happening right here too. Uh, Governor Perdue has signed a bill. Which um, is going to help clean up 600 polluted sites here in our own state. So. That's awesome. Yeah, That's I got a great. friend that works in hazardous waste cleanup. Oh, really? Yeah, he worked at Atlantic Station, and when there's like a uh, train derailment and spill hazardous chemicals, he's he's manages the site. A train derailed in my neighborhood once when I was younger, but it just spilled grain. Well, he practiced it. Well, I don't know. They usually kind of clean up any kind of derailment. Okay. Yeah, cool stuff though.
1: Yeah, that is very cool. So, uh, yeah, like you were saying, there's a bunch of uh, incentive programs. Yes. You're just talking about the feds doling out money. Big time. States dole out money, too, and one of the ways that they do it that's almost specifically for uh, remediation projects and, and reuse projects is a tax increment financing. Have you heard about this? Yeah, go ahead, though. Okay, so basically what the government does is, uh, let's say it's a local or state government, um, they say, you know what, if you remediate this site and you turn it into a big mixed-use development, Mm -hmm. all the area around it, if it's successful, is going to start attracting businesses. The real estate values around this area are going to go up. If the real estate values go up and all these businesses and condos and all that stuff goes up too – We're going to start, as a government, we're going to start making more money off of it. It's going to increase our tax base. So we're going to help fund your brownfield remediation and reuse project by giving you money Mm -hmm. based on what we think we can make in the future because you're raising the the, the tax value of the real estate in the area. What a cool idea. It's a very cool idea. Well,
2: and also they also give tax breaks uh, to people that are doing this, right? Sure. For the cost of the cleanup. Yeah. And they're they're practically
1: giving – I think we should – Look into getting a brownfield together. Seriously.
2: We can build that gap. We can. Sure. If we, you know, we need some dough, so. Yeah. Not a bad idea. So, Chuck, how do you remediate a brownfield? Well, the first thing you got to do, my friend, is uh, go out to the site, conduct an assessment, take <laughs> right. some uh, soil samples, look at what you're, you know, get those tested, see what you're looking at, mm-hmm. seeing just how contaminated it is, and um, confirm what's there, what's not there. And the EPA... Uh, says that nearly one-third of these sites are 100% contamination-free. Yeah. So that's awesome. If you get lucky and pick the right site, you're, you're gold.
1: Right. And um, the, the, there is a, a, a huge process involved, and there's actually a huge, I guess, sub-construction industry, uh-huh. probably related very closely to the demolition industry, Right. Um, that is engaged in remediating sites. And it is huge, massive work, depending on how... If if the area is
2: contaminated. Right, and what the pluton is. Right.
1: And because do you remember when we did our webcast? And we uh, I think it was last week or whatever. We were talking about, no, it was this week. Wow. Uh, everything's blending together these days. Um, <laughs> we were talking about um, the lost nuclear bombs.
2: Yes, missing H-bombs.
1: And we were saying in Florence, South Carolina, there's a sizable chunk of Florence, South Carolina that's now in Savannah.
2: Right. What they did was remediate that site. Right, because uh, the bomb exploded, the TNT exploded, not the actual nuclear uh, part of it, thank goodness. Sure. But it was still spewed contaminated metal and stuff all over the place. Yeah. So they scooped it up and shipped it to Savannah. That's
1: exactly right. Um, So removing soil, contaminated soil, just actually physically getting it out of there and storing it in a safe place, that's remediation. Um, A lot of times the water is uh, tainted, so you have to remediate that. And actually, there's some uh, pretty cool... Uh, bacteria out there that actually eat petroleum right. and convert it into like harmless compounds. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so there's all sorts of uh, water treatment um, equipment that you run it through, and like this bacteria just eats the stuff and
2: spits right. green water out the other end. You can plant vegetation. Certain vegetation will suck out the chemicals from the ground. Mm-hmm. A lot of trees, actually,
1: especially a lot of invasive species of uh-huh. trees
2: uh, planted in a, in a brownfield area will just suck it up, and then you just remove the trees. Right, and they did say, they mentioned that covering it up can work, too, which was what you were talking about with the loam, but clearly not. You can't <laughs> cover up uh, well. everything, you know? Right, yeah. It depends on what it is.
1: And also, um, the, the, the EPA is starting to really kind of encourage green brownfield remediation. Not brown, mind brown around that. greenfield remediation. No, buddy, That's no. It's much different. That's actually yeah, that's totally different. A green brownfield remediation is basically remediation practices that we're already using, but say throwing um, some windmills on the site right. to power the equipment you're using. You know, like the uh, the equipment that that um, that remediates the water or decontaminates the water uses right. up a lot of energy. Why not power it with a windmill or solar or something like that? Great um, trying to use alternative fuels on the heavy machinery that you're removing the topsoil with. Stuff like that. So there's uh, there's a lot going on. And yeah. i got to tell you, we're at, what, 6 billion people. Agriculture has a carrying capacity of 10 billion people. Right. We're coming up on that. I think some some predictions are 2050. Land's important. It is very important. We, we need to start reusing it
2: rather than just, you know,
1: we are, we're just such a wasteful consumer. Disposable
2: society. Species, even. Yeah, like, oh, that's an old gas station. Let's build a new one across the street and just let that one sit there.
1: Yeah, and actually, I used to work in a town... Uh, in a county down south of here and the mayor's brother owned a gas station and he sold it to the city well it turned out that the city uh, found out that there was a, uh, um, a an underground storage
2: tank uh-huh. for the gas that had leaked and the, the soil was contaminated and that was that nothing ever came of it yeah there's quite a few I've, I've seen some abandoned gas stations around uh, Decatur sure they've been there for years like Kudzu Swamp and... yeah because nobody can do anything with them. well Hopefully, you know, this This is changing. Or I shouldn't say no one can do anything
1: with it. That kind of contradicts our entire podcast. Right. Let me say people are afraid that they're not going to be able to do anything with it.
2: Right. But there's a lot of incentives, a lot of tax breaks, and a lot of money being doled out. So if you're a developer, man, I say get on it. Yeah. I think we should get on it, too. Right after uh, Chuck, since we have nothing to plug, listener mail. Right. Is there, are we there? Is that your setup? That was it. Beautiful. Listener mail time, Josh. Okay. Today, I'm just going to call this uh, Scary Dreams of an Impressionable 15-Year-Old Girl. Awesome. Fan mail. So Shelby, uh, who says she's an impressionable 15-Year-Old Girl, wrote us. She says, guys, you have scared me out of my mind. I had an extremely vivid nightmare last night, and I had way too much in common with your podcast. I was a victim of a second holocaust in her dream. Just her? I think you have to have more than one person for a holocaust. Well, give her a break. She's 15. Okay. Uh, The Disney Corporation was behind it. Awesome. But I don't know what their goal was in killing millions of people. Anyway, they started uh, mass-producing propaganda films and were aiming to rule the world and establish Disneyism as a mandatory global religion. Some might say that's happening for real. Wow. Uh, I was in a very large movie theater with one such film being played, and at the end, a Disney rep announced that the entire audience was going to die. The rest of my dream consisted of me dodging bullets being fired at me by various mascots inside of and doing forced labor, making parts for the Disneyland trains, which brought new prisoners from the parking lot and working on the Disneyland Railroad. Savage beatings abounded. Awesome. This is so cool. All prisoners had to be stamped on the forehead with one of those re-entry stamps like they, that smell like lemons. You know, like the amusement park? Yeah. My number was D three one seven four nine. I can't wow. believe she remembers all this. Wow. Uh, the gates at the entrance of the park read "Work makes you the happiest person on earth," <laughs> and the statue of Walt Disney standing next to Mickey Mouse was replaced with one of Mickey Mouse and Hitler. Mm-hmm. I can't believe this girl's fifteen. Poor thing. At the end, the park camp was liberated, but I don't know by who or whom. Uh, but that's not the point. The point is that I spontaneously had this nightmare. With all of these details similar to your podcast before I even knew the title of it, that really creeps me out. I'll keep listening anyway. So, What was her name again? Shelby. Shelby, you
1: have one of the more fertile imaginations I've ever encountered, and I think it's beautiful. I'm sorry you were terrified, but... You're gonna go places. Too. Yeah,
2: right now at the Disney Corporation here, just they're thinking we need to find the Shelby. She's We're on dead. to us.
1: It's like Italy here. It is. Yeah. So uh, if you want to reveal your, you know, uh, innermost thoughts and fears, or you want to tell us what you think about the Disney Company, or just say hi, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. dot com.
0: 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissele